Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. Because this episode will be airing on Mother's Day, we thought what better an opportunity than to talk about just that, our relationships with our moms, or of course, other motherly figures in our life, and what might be coming up for some of us as we are, quote unquote, to celebrate those relationships on this particular day. This may not sound like me. This is Jenna. I am losing my voice a bit. So I just want to acknowledge that in the beginning and get that out of the way. And as synchronistic as it would be, um, my voice actually is the way that it is from a lot of tears being released uh, these last couple of days. And a big direct cause of that is really mourning and grieving the relationship that I had created in my mind that I had with my own mother, and then also mourning the reality of really reality and really looking back at my mother and my childhood and that relationship and being really rawly honest with myself and accepting just how not okay so many things were and really how abusive and neglectful the environment was and how my own mind has tried to really kind of fantasize or make that really beautiful when in the process for so many years, I've really neglected actually facing reality. And even saying that, I hear myself saying like, oh my gosh, don't say this. You're being so mean to your mom when this is nothing personal about my mother. I love my mother. I know that she is such an incredibly beautiful woman with a beautiful, beautiful soul. And I know that she is also a human product of her own trauma, her own conditioning, her own childhood, which did have a lot of violence, a lot of a lot of trauma and a lot of wounding. So she did the best that she could with the tools that she had at the time. And I think in that process of really wanting to look at my mom as, you know, I only want to say nice things about her. I only want to say nice things about all of the people around me. And some things, Lolly actually said to me yesterday, you know, some things, Jenna, you just can't make beautiful. Some abuse, some reality, you can't make beautiful. And that really stuck with me because there's a way to separate the reality from the person and to still have love and to come from a space of really gratefulness and gratitude for my mom, who she is and who she wasn't. I really appreciate you speaking so honestly and vulnerably, Jenna. And what came to mind when I when I heard you say, you know, this worry of, oh my gosh, am I being mean? Can I say this? Actually, a conversation with my dad comes to mind uh, several years into me sharing online and, you know, sharing myself and my story as a lot of my teaching points. My dad actually one day asked me, you know, and in, in an upset, why, Nicole, why do you have to use us and, you know, our relationships and your mom in particular as your examples? And while I could understand, you know, that confusion and that wondering and that question my dad was approaching me with, why do I have to speak about my own journey, which did include my core relationships as well with him and, and my mom and the rest of my family? And the reason being, the why is that I explained to him then was because, again, it's not malicious, it's of no ill intent, though it is the reality. And the reality is that first core relationship, whether it was who biologically, the mother who biologically gave birth to us or not, that really impacts all of our relationships throughout life. Um, however it is that we had our needs met or not consistently met, 
areas where we were neglected or were not fully safe to express who we are, those become then the patterned ways of being that we repeat well into our adult relationship. So the why that I explained to my dad and the why that I think is important to understand is we're unpacking what is a really deep emotional topic for a lot of us is because chances are there are remnants of that first relationship alive within our current adult relationships. And again, for those of us who didn't have a safe, attuned, um, consistently available mother figure, and that's a tall order in and of itself, likely, you know, there were some adaptations or some things that we now do in service of having to fit into that earliest environment that maybe aren't fully in service of our full self-expression now. I, I was actually thinking of you a lot, Nicole, and that process of writing how to do the work and sharing stories of your family and being side by side with you, witnessing the process of what do you say? And when you do share something, then the anxiety that does come with that, because there is a there is a concern and sort of an upheaval of emotions and anxieties that do come when we choose to speak our truth. And I think for me, at least, it's been really helpful and powerful to remind myself that it is my truth because I, I even look and, and it being my truth, meaning that it is my truth and my reality to share. And I look back over the last couple of years, specifically the last two years with, you know, the podcast and our work together in the self-healer circle and any sharing that I have. And I can still see where all of my life, I've been very open and very transparent in sharing my reality. And then when on a, a more public stage, I can see where I have filtered things or things were consistent for a while with my family. I had done a couple of you know, years of healing and really looking at all of the parts of my life and past that I didn't want to and kind of got to a, what I thought was a stable baseline. And then I bring a relationship into my life over these last few years and that stable baseline was completely obliterated because the dynamic now of experiencing myself in relationship, now not with one person, but with two, brought back quite literally the exact scenario of my childhood. I would project onto both you and Lolly my childhood, my past, and make you both my parents. And I see where now all of this emotion is coming up and I'm kind of like, well, how the hell did you get here? You thought you were so much farther ahead and now you kind of feel crumbled. And, you know, now my voice is the way that it is because for the last few days, it has been like an upheaval of emotion where I'm like, you know, I thought I had hit rock bottom. Why does it seem like we're back here again? And I see that a lot of that too is because I did heal in, in many ways to a certain point. And now being in a relationship has not created new wounds. It instead has illuminated and kind of exasperated wounds that were already in existence, parts of myself and my relationships and reality really with the dynamics of my family. That's all right in front of me now. And for a long time, I think I just, I filtered it and tried to make it a lot prettier than it was because I was fearful internally that I was shaming these people that I loved so much. And I felt so guilty for that. So for anyone listening to you, as you think of yourself in relationship with anyone in your life, 
your experience of it, your feelings of it are 100% valid regardless of anyone else's experience. And speaking your truth is 100% your right. I think it's important to separate there is your truth and then there is the, the person. It's not personal what I share about my reality. When I say that I was a, severely abused as a child, severely neglected as a child, that doesn't mean that my mom is an awful person. My mom is a beautiful person who, you know, does still struggle with addiction, is an alcoholic, is codependent, does expect her children to be her parents. It's been just very crucial for me to keep that front of mind because if I don't, I notice my start, start to filter. I start to change my story. I start to make it sound a little prettier. I start to paint a beautiful picture of these people because I want that so much for them. When in reality, I need to be able to share exactly what is true for me and also separate that what's true for me doesn't mean that she or anyone is some awful person. I mean, really honoring Jenna, as you are beautifully doing right now, the reality that we're all living is that we are all raised by other humans. And again, whether or not this is the mother or the mother figure that we're to celebrate today, or for maybe others, it was a father or a father figure. Those, those humans, again, were raised by another human and are therefore then limited by what they were taught, the needs that they were comfortable or safe enough to meet over time. And again, sometimes, especially for you know, adults in our ages, a lot of us were raised in generations of parents who, you know, were going through generational things. I mean, my parents come to mind and my dad was born in 37. My mom was born in 40 here in the States. That was right after the Great Depression and a lot of financial instability. My dad is a second generation immigrant from Italy, again, coming from a very poor village in the South of Italy. So a lot of financial instability. And why I'm bringing that up now is a lot of survival mode. And when we're in survival mode or when our mothers are in survival mode in our childhood, there are a limited priority of needs, right? Keeping the person alive, the child alive to the best of their ability is more or less the only ability that parents have. And very similar to you, there was a very long time that I had my experience of my mom in childhood. And it was really interesting for me in particular because I have two older siblings, much older. My brother's 18 years older than me and my sister is 15 years older than me. And what I started to notice very early on is when I would hear them talk about mom, the way they would talk about mom was a much different mom, or they painted a picture of a much different mom than I myself ever had experience of. And instead of, you know, understanding that we are all different humans viewing and having different experiences, I, I stuffed my reality down. I believed the family story. I looked at my mom through the lens or the eyes my dad, my sister, my brother were looking at her through, again, doing myself a disservice, not really being fully honest to what for me was the absence of having my emotional needs met. Because again, my very well-intentioned mom who wanted to show up in a loving way in the emotional, in the emotional area and around my emotional needs, I should say, she just wasn't able to. Because when we are stuck surviving, our that emotional needs and even Again, a lot of us generationally have been taught in terms of parenting style that emotional needs aren't even a need a child has. So for me, it was the neglect of those needs that really did shape how I continued then to neglect my own needs in my relationships. As we're talking about moms here too, I want to preface that 
while we're using the word mom and mother, that does not mean we're talking about just the person who birthed the human. A lot of us, I know myself included, the people that I would have considered a mom as a child actually were not my birth mother, my mom, Marsha. They were my aunt Sue, who was actually a neighbor. They were my school teachers. They were a whole community of people. So as you hear us using mom or mother, please put in whatever whatever that is for you in whatever context. It is a mother figure really that we are talking about here. And for all of the, the moms, the mother figures out there who are listening, I can absolutely um, acknowledge and kind of see where there's this sort of panic in response a lot where, you know, a mother or anyone caring for a child, a, a parent figure looking after a child that they love wants to do the best that they can. If you're listening here too, it's you wanting to improve your life in some way. I wouldn't doubt that it is to then also improve or give the best life and future that you can to your children. So one, acknowledging you just for being here, for listening, for making the time is amazing. And also where you are right now is the best that you can be right now. So it's not a space to start beating yourself up or if you start to see that judgment or that panic or anxiety even coming in right now, allow it to be there and Take a moment to pause and really give yourself gratitude. I'm grateful for you. I know Nicole's grateful for you. You are you are raising the future generation right here in the present and you're doing the best that you can with all of the tools and awareness you have because you're here right now. And the beautiful aspect of that too is that you're here right now with an understanding that there is a whole world of tools and awareness to learn and grow and step into so that, you know, my mother who essentially just repeated the same environment that she had as a child, she couldn't just hop onto Google and find the self healer circle or the holistic <laughs> psychologist or any of the other hundreds and thousands and really millions of teachers and, and guides that exist in the world now that wasn't as readily available whatsoever. So we really also do have some magic at our fingertips. We live in the most incredible, accessible time that we ever have before. So I think even that just the awareness of, okay, if I were a mom right now, you know, I am a mom or a mother figure right now. I'm doing the best that I can in this moment because it's where I am. And I have the awareness that I don't have to repeat the same. I actually can create new and different and live into a new future for myself and for my children. And as always, where does that begin? It doesn't begin with your kids. It begins here with you, with actually meeting you, which comes down to meeting the child that's actually within you before any other child was in front of you. And kind of building off of that, you know, as we begin to heal and really um, settle into and acknowledge the reality of what that child experienced, what does come to the surface for many of us, you know, does complicate then to some extent our relationship with those caregivers, whether or not it's again the mother, or the mother figure, or that primary person, because most of us into adulthood probably still have access or still are participating or still are in some version, at least, of a relationship 
with those same humans. So now you have the experience of really becoming conscious of the deep wounding of those intergenerational patterns that still might be present in you where you are in this moment. And within that might be some hurt, might be some anger, right? Might be a whole slew of other complicated- <laughs> It might be a lot of hurt. A, a lot, lot of hurt, anger. you know, a lot of feelings that then become difficult to pick up the phone on Mother's Day, to set the, the brunch you know, uh, reservation on Mother's Day, to just simply navigate or to continue to be in relationship with that same mom. Um, and that I think is what is alive for a lot of us as we near these days where we're, you know, tasked with celebration. Um, of course, this, this difficulty remains throughout the year within these relationships, but on these days where, you know, we're almost given all of these messages that it's all about celebration and going out and having a great time and showering mom with all of our appreciation and gratitude. And again, it doesn't mean we don't feel appreciation and gratitude though, the large majority of us might feel some other things as well. So how do we make space for ourselves on these days or on any day is just simply doing that, making space for all of the different ways that we might feel in still current relationship with these humans. You could really take the conversation about Mother's Day and apply it to any day. I'm not really sure where Mother's Day originated. Mm -hmm. I have always called it a Hallmark holiday <laughs> because it it resides in my mind as one of those holidays. Yes, absolutely. Let's acknowledge mothers and just let's acknowledge mother in general. Specifically for me, that is Mother Earth, who is my closest and really first mother. And beyond that, I think it's, you know, buy a card, spend some money. <laughs> that is really what society has conditioned. And no wonder that is triggering for people. I mean, Nicole, your mom is no longer here living on the earth in her human form. There are many people who don't even have a mom or have never experienced knowing their mother. Maybe they were in foster care. Maybe they were raised by two dads. Maybe they were raised by three dads. Who knows? There are a lot of us who don't experience that mother relationship. And for a lot of people, that is very difficult and very triggering, understandably so. I've seen um, recently over the last couple of years, some memes shared around Instagram, social media, um, that's a different little set or bouquet of flowers for all of these different circumstances. And it is acknowledging, you know, having awareness for those on Mother's Day who have a mother who has died, who have never had a mother, who have a mother who is maybe ill or a mother that they're grieving who is still here but is, you know, struggling with active addiction. There is such a vast array of really what mother even means. And then beyond that, there's an even more vast and unique array of our own experiences with a mother. Say there's seven, eight billion people in the world and growing well, each of those people has their own unique experience with a mother. So I also, I just think it's really important too to keep in mind that Hallmark holiday mm -hmm. and to start to turn the mirror back on yourself and look at where does a lot of your belief around motherhood or Mother's Day or mothering in general come from and how much of that has come from the movies, society, newspapers, the communities, the the culture that is around you versus what actually is your own true core experience. 
And when we're exploring our belief, really then exploring, you know, what are possibly the expectations that we're putting on ourselves? Do we have this idea that we do need to, you know, make connection with this human, this mother on this day, or feel completely positive about the connection? Because when we're setting ourselves up for those expectations that for a lot of us are unrealistic, I've had now the opportunity to celebrate two Mother's Days without my mom. The one was when I had chosen to go no contact with my family over the year and a half-ish that we were out of contact. Of course, a Mother's Day happened. So I had, this was the first experience my whole life because I had grown up with obviously active contact with my mom and always having to call home and knowing that Mother's Day was one of those days that I was either to be present or wanted to make a gesture to her. So on that first Mother's Day, I was very well aware that my mom was here on this earth celebrating a Mother's Day, likely with my two other siblings. And I was the one making the active choice to remain out of contact that day and really making space for myself and all of the different complicated reasons why I had gone no contact and also holding compassionate space for my mom, imagining how it was for her to not hear from me on that particular day. And I'm even just sitting here as I'm saying this, wondering what this is like for many of you listening to hear, to hear that, you know, I did choose not, not to call my mom on that Mother's Day. I was out of contact and that's what I needed. And now, of course, flash forward a couple years. Now my mom is no longer present. I, I don't have a choice. I cannot call her in the physical way, in the physical form and speak to her. And, you know, for me, there's a lot of complicated emotions that are coming up around the fact that she is largely inaccessible in the way that I remember her to be. I don't actually have a choice now. I can't pick up the phone and hear my mom's voice. And it's a really difficult experience and really making space, again, for those of us who don't have that access point, whether or not it's chosen or, again, because of life circumstances that human's not available, um, a lot of grief can also be coming to the surface. And again, if we're holding an expectation that we feel happier, you know, for me, I only celebrate the good parts of the relationship with the mom that I had, then I'm really doing myself a disservice. I'm not giving myself the space to maybe be really deep in grief come come this day or on this day. It's in, in the future for when we're filming it, of course, but I can imagine it, it, it might be difficult very much for me on that particular Sunday. That what you just said about only celebrating the good parts, I definitely... I can reflect back now, especially after an upheaval of the last 48 hours of really seeing a lot that has been there all along, a lot in reference to, you know, my childhood, where I do come from and how I have absolutely 100% wanted to look at it through rose colored glasses. And, you know, I knew that it was abusive, that it wasn't stable. I knew all of these things. Though I do see where I still did try and paint it in some beautiful, okay way where all of those things did happen, but that was okay. And I think that's where it got really tricky. And that's where a lot of the pain came for me. And that was a lot of the pain that needed to be released was even now having this new awareness that I did that that for so long, that's how much I wanted to hold on to it. That's how much I wanted to hold on to this belief or this idea or this fantasy in my mind, and my heart. You know, as a child, I committed to myself, I'm going to make everything around me beautiful. I'll walk into a room. I'll rearrange it. I'll make it beautiful. I'll make my environments beautiful. It's like a magic wand. I was committed to that. 
so committed to that, that I decided it was okay to also bypass reality and just make everything beautiful by saying, oh, that's okay. When there is actually a way to accept reality, to face how things were and say, they actually aren't okay. I actually have a lot of anger and a lot of pain that does come from my childhood that is directly related to my mother. And I even, I fear saying, or even now I can see myself feeling guilty in a way to say, I'm really angry at her. I'm really resentful at her. If she heard this, my heart would break because her heart would break. She'd be so shocked. And even that, I want to then go scurry back to change my story, change my reality and change my truth to help her feel better about it, which does a massive disservice and doesn't dissolve all of these old emotions or anger. It actually pours gasoline on them and then sweeps them under a rug so that a year from now they erupt and explode in a fight at Nicole or at someone who didn't cause the pain that is within me. What you're describing, Jenna, is very much a, a theme, as often is, the case when we're talking about healing and when we're talking about healing, a lot of times what we're talking about is grieving at the same time. And what are we grieving? For a lot of us, we're grieving the relationship we thought we had and we turns out we didn't have. Perhaps in the context of this conversation, many of you out there listening might be beginning to grieve because it is a process. The mother that you never had, the mother that you wished you had, the needs that that person was just simply unable to meet for whatever reason. And giving yourself space to, to be in that grief, to, to really honor, again, from that child inside, that those were things that didn't happen for you, experiences that you didn't have, a bond that maybe for, in the context of me and my mom, an emotional bond that never was. And, you know, as we're looking to, to Mother's Day, when we talk about the inner child within all of us, and when we're talking about this process of grieving and healing, what a lot of us are needing to do is actually create space to become for ourselves that mother, that mother that's here to guide us, to connect with ourselves, to allow compassionately any and all of our feelings to be that mother, to meet those needs, to be in service of that little inner child that continues to live within each of us. So even for those of us like myself who don't have a mother physically present, you know, on this earth at this time, it doesn't mean that we are without a mother. The journey of healing, at least in my opinion, is really learning how to be that mother to myself each and every day in each and every moment, understanding that there is great difficulty, especially in those areas where I didn't have that guide. I didn't have that model and I didn't have that practice. So again, granting myself compassion, even when I'm talking about grieving, not having had an attuned mother figure to help me grieve, I can get completely overwhelmed by my emotions. I know, I think I shared on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, it was my mom's first birthday that she wasn't here present and I had a complete and utter breakdown and it didn't look pretty. Um, again, because practicing tending to our feelings for a lot of us who didn't have that, that motherly model for how to do it it looks messy. It does sometimes look explosive or look like a complete shutdown and really giving ourselves, gifting ourselves with the compassion because we are all on that journey of, again, identifying that inner child within, 
those wounds that we are still carrying with each of us and creating that compassionate space where we can learn how to be our own mother in each and every moment and therefore in each and every relationship. And to go back to a point you made beautifully earlier, to impact all of those future generations to come. I think our healing really begins, begins when we accept that while we have that opportunity to learn to become, you know, that mother for ourselves, for that inner child, it is the starting point happens when there's that acceptance of, well, that's my job now. It is my responsibility now as an adult. And I, as Jenna over here, surely could spend the rest of my life, rightfully so, maybe in a very valid way, very angry, very resentful at what I didn't receive that I now know that I deserved. Now I can sit here and cry about it. Believe me, I have because it's painful. And I could sit and cry in a corner and spend my life complaining away and have more of the same and more of the same and more of the same. I'm just cementing my feet into the ground. Now I'd imagine most people who come to this podcast, most people in this community who are interested in the things that we're also interested in are on a journey of getting unstuck, of taking our feet out of the cement and moving forward. And that happens when you really accept responsibility for the fact that it is your job now. And responsibility, it doesn't always look pretty. I mean, we've been doing this work together now for multiple years, and it was literally only the last two days that reality literally smacked me in the face. It was not pretty. It actually was terrifyingly ugly. I mean, I've lost my voice from it. I went to, or was planning to go to an Al-Anon meeting last night, which is for friends and family and observers of people in addiction or active addiction. And I didn't go because it was late at night in a new spot. Long story short, I'm going tomorrow and am committing to go and be around that support community who does understand that experience of being directly connected or, you know, very close to or loving someone who has previously been in an addiction or who is in active addiction. And there, even just the reality of that being now 35 and seeing for the first time, you know, to the help of my partners, thank you, that I actually haven't processed that in that way. I haven't processed growing up in an alcoholic, abusive and addicted home. I have been honest about it and been open about it. And I've also been honest and open in a way that waves a wand over it, where to me, it still feels okay. I still make it okay when it's not at all, really. And the I'd say that because it's really important to keep in mind too, there's an evolution that happens here. I mean, Nicole, you just gave three examples. There was a Mother's Day, you weren't speaking to your mom. There's a Mother's Day now where she's no longer physically alive. And then there were Mother's Day where you were in her presence. And I think back to this time last year on Mother's Day, I was sitting in New York. I flew home to New York and went out to a super fancy, totally hallmark brunch at this really fancy place with pink champagne to, you know, wine and dine my mom with both of my brothers. And I cherish this memory and these photos because it's the last time that the four of us were ever all, all together or ate together aside from 
the last time we actually all saw each other in October when I enrolled my brothers in me renting a dumpster to park outside of my mom's dilapidated home to go in in hazmat suits and help clear out the inside of her home because that is the state of affairs in her life. And it's me swooping in once again, wanting to to make it better, wanting to help her, wanting to parent her and reflecting back now and seeing, you know, I am grateful that I did that, though I also see where I was trying to save someone else. I was doing me a disservice. I also really hurt me in that process. My mom is a grown woman. She can make her own choices, which leads me then now to this year, one year later, where Mother's Day is here and I'm so present to all of this anger and all of this resentment, though because I'm aware of this, because I do practice this work because I want to look at those hard things and depersonalize them for what reality is. I'm able to still love my mother, to find a space to celebrate my mother for who she is, while there still is a lot of anger and a lot of resentment. And instead of dropping down to the frequency of that anger and resentment and letting it become the entire weather around me indefinitely, I can make space for it and also be really honest with myself that it is now my responsibility to give myself the things that I deserved. And also to be honest with myself that there are so many things, so much just nurture and care, immediate needs that I deserved as a child that I did not get. And to say that I didn't get cared for or I didn't get the care that I deserved as a child from either of my parents makes me feel like shit, to be honest at first, because it makes me feel like I'm saying, oh, my mom didn't care. Well, no, my mom hustled and worked three or four jobs to be a single mom to try and take care of us. She did the best that she could to provide for us. There are two separate things. That is true. The pain is also true. The reality of where we are now in that, yes, I love my mom. Is the relationship currently healthy? No. Is there a lot of unhealthy codependency? Yes. Is there a lot of unhealthy expectation from my mother on me? Yes. Are there a lot of new boundaries that I need to look at and instill? Yes. Does that mean maybe pulling away or, you know, taking a little bit more space with my mother who who on a daily basis, you know, sends me messages about her last breath and her death because she's also not physically well. And that fear of, well, if I take space, she might not be here tomorrow. Well, if that's actually what I need to do for me, then it's really my responsibility now to look at that really hard truth and to start giving myself the love and care and boundaries that I need and deserve, because this is that same window of opportunity where if I don't make a new choice with the new awareness that I have, I am going down the same path that she did. I am going down more of the same habitual patterns that are generational. If I weren't, if I wasn't aware of it, I would end up generationally creating the same environment for my children that my mother created for her children and that her mother created for her. What you're so beautifully and vulnerably, thank you, Jenna, sharing is, you know, as far as I see it, we, we when we talk about change and healing, I, I often break really simply it down into two steps. And 
the first step is always that awareness, really seeing, right, that wounding, seeing those patterns, those dynamics, um, all of our tendencies to deal with it to make ourselves feel better, right? Awareness, seeing, becoming conscious. And then that's followed by what you're beautifully describing, that embodiment piece, that making new choices, that being different. And for some of us, that means letting in these feelings because a lot of us get stuck in that middle. We have all of this knowledge, this awareness, yet we don't actually make those steps to create that change. And when you're talking about this concept of responsibilities, and again, talking to all of the parents out there, the mothers, those of us who have children that we're now caring for, again, I always, my number one advice or suggestion I always give to parents whenever they ask, you know, how do I break these generational patterns? How do I help my child not feel the pain that I felt? I think I often give the answer that they're not expecting, which is, you do the work, you model, you become a living embodiment of this change. I think sometimes what they're expecting to hear is the right script to say to the child or the right direction to give to the child. And unfortunately, again, children are so, or fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> children are so much more impacted by what are they seeing you do, right? So to all of the mothers out there, on your own journey of healing, making space to embody this process of change, to actually break these patterns for yourself, to take care of yourself, to become your own mother then will have the greatest impact because your children are watching, they're seeing. They will now have possibly the experience of a mother who's better able to meet their own needs and therefore be able to better meet their own needs for their child. And that's so incredibly impactful. And in my opinion, that's how we create right, these ripples of change around us. And this is included for those of us, even like us, who don't have children. Um, becoming a living embodiment of the work, in my opinion, affects, impacts all of the people that we will come in contact with. And that means all of the future generations. So really embodying the process of change means going beyond just knowing or having that insight and having that awareness into showing up again as that showing up as that wise parent as that parent will impact the children around us we are all connected to me there is one universal being so there is no way that me shifting or changing or evolving isn't going to impact the people around me because of our universal connection it is. However I am does impact those around me. It is the weather. It is the space between us. There's not nothing between Nicole and I. There are tiny, tiny particles and molecules. If I move my arm, it does shift everything. When you really, <laughs> when you, you've got to watch the video for these, for some of the giggles to understand, which you can do also on YouTube. It also has closed captions. Um, so we are all connected. What what you do, as Nicole's saying, how you're showing up, how you're being to yourself, that is going to be the, the biggest and most direct impact on your children. Not the, the perfect thing that you say to them in a time of upset. It's you're only going to be able to access even the thing that you want to be saying to them in a time of their upset if you're regulated, if you've spent time learning yourself first, meeting yourself and knowing how in your own time of upset, learning how to soothe yourself. We can't possibly soothe or comfort or be present with a child's emotions if we are unable 
to be present with our own or to soothe or regulate our own. I think it's also really helpful here, something you said reminded me of this, to keep an open mind for how your mind is going to evolve and your thoughts are going to evolve. So really to, to also question your thoughts, question what you have always thought, questioning those beliefs. And the example that made me think of this is my mom for many years in my 20s would always send me a Mother's Day card on Mother's Day. And she'd always say, you know, I, I've seen you be a mother to more children than anyone I've ever known. And this is because I was a nanny for years. I worked with children. I mean, even from probably age 12 on, I worked in pediatric oncology. I taught small children for years. I love being around children. It, it just brings out a very natural maternal instinct in me. So I used to take, and I'm still grateful for those cards. I think that was a very sweet sentiment of my mother. And looking back on it now, I see it completely newly, literally for the first time today. And I realized, oh, wow, that is how codependent that relationship is. That's how much I really have been my own mother's mother my entire life. When I'm 20 years old, my mom is sending me a Mother's Day card. And I do know, too, so much of that is because my own, you know, my own going out, exploring my own life, my own adventuring, my own falling down, my picking myself back up, navigating all of that on my own has been a big lesson to my mom. I then went and catered to her and really gave her all of the things that I would give a small child in my care. Now, that's great and beautiful and all, except that in the process of doing that, the one person I didn't give any of that to was me. Instead, I looked at my mother as my own child instead of looking at myself as my own child and just getting really honest with, I didn't get what I deserved. And even accepting that I deserve something is really uncomfortable. So all of this conversation is, it is, for me, it's really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk in reality about my mom. It's uncomfortable to, to speak here and acknowledge that there's so many people listening with so many different experiences that we probably haven't even highlighted here. And if you boil it all back down to, well, then really what's the takeaway? How do you move forward and really bring value to what we're saying? It's going back to whoever you are, whatever gender you identify with, you are responsible now as an adult and have the opportunity to look within and first acknowledge that there is an inner child within you. There is a little you. And that little you, if it didn't get as a, a physical child the things that it deserved, well, then if you haven't been intentionally doing that work up until this point, you could be 60. That's still the same inner child, the same physical child from back when you were five that is here now inside your body who has still not gotten any of those things that they deserved, like acknowledgement of emotions that come up, learning our own bodies, discovering and asking ourselves or exploring what brings us joy, and then actually following through to spend time 
embodying that joy, doing things that we do find joyful, which is one of the most direct and quickest ways to access that connection to strengthen with our inner child. And it's only that connection that's then going to bring you to being this grounded, evolved, conscious adult that you're wanting and striving to be now, especially if you are a parent who's wanting to give that to your children. It starts first with parenting the child within. And the whole time you're doing that, your own physical children are watching. They're seeing you do that. They're getting their needs met by watching mom, dad, whoever's looking after them meet their own needs first. And they'll replicate that. And for some of us, that means meeting the needs of grief, allowing these complicated emotions. And not only just today on Mother's Day, of course, but each and every day, each and every moment where that becomes our reality, allowing whatever it is we feel to be whatever it is that we feel. And then gently over time, without bypassing that first step, of course, to, to go back to a theme that I think has been woven through this very beautifully, Jenna, then over time to expand to be able to see those moments as a beautiful opportunity, an opportunity to make a new choice, to give those feelings presence. That might be the first choice we make that we gift ourselves with anew, the presence to be in the sadness, to be in the grief, maybe to even need a moment or two away from our family or our little ones if we have the opportunity to allow ourselves in those feelings. And then again, expanding with the reality or the acknowledgement of the reality that Every moment, regardless of how old you are listening to this, does afford you that opportunity, the opportunity to make a new choice, to embody something new, to begin to create a future, again, that's in service of what you deserve. And again, one of the major reasons why we we have this podcast and these weekly conversations is to give these topics, you know, some room to breathe. And, you know, while we might not be speaking to everyone out there, we might not have touched upon your unique relationship with your mother. Our hope is that these conversations inspire you to look within, you to become conscious of what it is for you. And then again, over time, learning how to expand in that space, how to allow all your feelings to be, how to depersonalize the pain that has happened to us and gift yourself with that compassionate space for the new. So as always, we look forward to every opportunity to connect with you on the Self Healer Soundboard, um, sending love to all of you beings out there, all of your inner children, as we are all working to become the mother for ourselves and literally for humanity. Well, Nicole just highlighted on how we can't possibly touch on everyone's unique situation. We would love to hear from you and what your experience is, what came up for you listening to this episode. Um, what is your relationship with a mother or mother figure? Anything really. We love hearing from you guys and what your actual experience is and really peeking into your own lives. So drop us a comment below if you are watching or listening on YouTube. We appreciate and love your feedback as always and look forward to being with you again for a new episode next week.